dearest listener, you are now here to witness the first anniversary special of Remote Watch, where we uncover all the secrets, the scandals and spice and all things nice in the latest season of Bridgerton. Did you miss us? Because we missed you. Hey, welcome back to Remote Watch! Yeah! I seriously can't believe we've been doing this for a year. I know. Um, Happy one year, Julia. This is our baby. Happy one year. (laughs) So if it's your first time with us here today, welcome, welcome. We're celebrating our first year anniversary um, with myself, Kaylee Liu from Kuala Lumpur. And we also have Julia Mercado from NYC. Different parts of the world, one year together. Love that for us. Honestly, just, you know, tell everybody, you know, if they're in a long distance relationship slash friendship, just do a podcast. It solves everything, honestly. Genuinely, yeah. (laughs) Podcasting is the best place where you can talk about all the things you love. And the thing that we're talking about that we love today is Bridgerton Season 2. This has to be like the the event of the year, I guess, because when the first season came out, it was like everybody was like, oh, there's this new period drama and it's from Shondaland and I guess it might be a little spicy. And then we all ate it up. Everyone I knew was talking about it. They were like at least checking out episode one. It was being sold as it's Jane Austen meets Gossip Girl. So for season two, it's sort of the continuation of that world where it's all the fun fancy things of Regency England and also the gossip of like Lady Whistledown and it's where expanding the world and it was such a fun delightful treat. (laughs) So for those of you who haven't seen Bridgerton it's about this family called Bridgerton um, who live in Regency England they're run by the head of the family Violet Bridgerton. I would say Anthony but really she's their mom and she's the one that sets them in their place. She has eight children all named in alphabetical order from A through H. And last season, we focused on Daphne Bridgerton um, finally coming into society as a young woman trying to find a husband. Um, And apparently they do this thing where in Regency England, you come back from the countryside and go to London and go to a bunch of social events just to find a husband and get married. And it's called the season and the whole big group is called a ton. And while they're doing that, there is this gossip sheet called Lady Whistledown that goes around and Lady Whistledown basically runs the whole, the whole town, the whole town. Hey. (laughs) And yeah. And so now season two is about Anthony, who is Lord Bridgerton, having inherited that title after his father died. But last season, he kind of refused to find a wife. And now his mom's like, so when are you getting married, honey? Um, Tell me it's now. And yeah, so. we You know how we roll at Remote Watch. We're going through non-spoilery, but initial thoughts is, you know, season two. Uh, the blurb is, we return to Shondaland Regency, London. We see Anthony Bridgerton in search of a wife. He thinks he's found his perfect match until he meets the match's sister, Kate Sharma. And that's as non-spoilery as we can get. And so we're going to delve into spoilers. But before that, I will just preface to say we liked it. Yeah, it's brilliant. Honestly, you can't really go wrong with it. That's true. Yeah, it's just like, fun I'm time a for everyone. For period dramas and for like, there we things go. like Gossip Girl. So 
we love we love romance we love period dramas as evident by all the episodes in season two that of us just gushing <laughs> so this was just right up our alley we and we had a fun time and so that's as far as we can say non-spoiler because we do actually just want to dwell right into it <laughs> so bye non-spoilery people <laughs> Uh, we have a dilemma here because I just received this information from Julia where she says she prefers season one to season two. It's not that I don't like season two. It's that I prefer season one. Okay. Season two was enjoyable. It but is. But not as much season one for me. Well, <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, we'll agree. I, I like season one. Like, you know, season one's fun. But I have a much more enjoyable time in season two because every time I talk about Bridgerton, I tell people first four episodes were perfect. Like episode one, episode four, I was on with it. I was on with on board with them trying to fake date their way through the world. And then the moment they got married and they got so emotionally constipated to each other and they were just like I can't have children I don't want children and then she's so insistent of having children and I'm just like I don't want to be here for this anymore so whereas for season two we don't have that and I just I enjoy season two much more I guess that's fair I mean I I think I liked the how fast it was in season one because then we got to that side story not side story but like addition to like post-marriage <laughs> I really liked watching Daphne's maturity and now when we see her in season two I'm like oh she's a whole grown woman whenever she gives Anthony advice it's she knows what she she's saying that was like a really uh, enjoyable addition because I thought that Daphne wasn't gonna be- play like a big role this season because like she's had her season it was last season so she's just gonna show up a little bit whenever she shows up it's always very little like huh so Reggie's not gonna be here then because it's like I mean I get it he doesn't have to come back because this was such a stuffed like season and I wouldn't know where to put him in so it's fine that he wasn't there but it is a little bit glaring that he doesn't want to show up for his friend's wedding (laughs) oh my god I didn't even think about that (laughs) I just accepted the fact that he wasn't going to be in this season yeah honestly I feel like because we loved him so much in the last season that he might have overshadowed Kate's story had he shown yeah and like I told you yesterday he had like too much main character energy it's not necessarily a hole in the series that he doesn't show up anymore in fact it gives every other character so much more time to shine it's fine that he didn't show up I don't know why the internet's upset about that (laughs) yeah but it's good because then they filled that in with Kate at that point all you need to know is who is Kate and she's taking up the screen space and the time. And I'm not saying no to that. I love the hell out of her. I love her. Like the moment we meet her is just like that scene with the horses in the morning and they're running. Oh, that's the best meet cute. I love it. Yeah. But compared to season one, I just had more fun with this. And um, Anthony's hair in this one's much better. Like you, <laughs> I, I think in season one I used to call it his chin straps because they were just so ugly. And it's mutton chops. And he would, 
he would like get with Sienna and I'm like Sienna no stop touching him something I found quite funny isn't isn't the whole of Simon Bassett Duke of Hastings not being in the show the fun whole is like we just completely ignored the fact that he was completely enamored by this songstress from the opera he just like tosses her pamphlet into the fire it's like nope I've never had a relationship with her when he was literally crying and sniveling outside her door the season prior and this wasn't like no episode five that he was doing that no this was up to episode eight where he was at her door like take me back i love <laughs> you i'm so sorry no yeah but um i feel like i wouldn't know where to fit her in as well but it's also like okay this is the season where we just have to accept that it's a blank slate for anthony and even he sees it as a blank slate for him and he just wants to find a viscountess for to fulfill his duties and whatnot and um fulfill his duties more to like get his mom off his back because you know once your mom says to do something you can't not do it yo that scene where the mom was just like yes we're just talking and my son's looking for a wife (laughs) (laughs) yeah violet bridgerton is also a top tier character i am enamored by her too everyone in the family is just fun to watch Oh, we'll get into like the subplots that I didn't like, but I didn't enjoy Benedict's art school and him finding out that he was part of the college admission scandal. And uh, it's, I mean, to be honest, he's he's also my least favorite Bridgerton. So, woof. I mean, next season might be about him, so we don't know. So the rumors that are circulating now is that next season, season three, would be about Colin and Penelope, and I think that's way too soon. I think the two of them need to grow way more before they get together. So like, uh, I remember watching season one of, uh, and, and I was like hardcore shipper of like Colin and Penelope. And like, I was just like, okay, I'm going to read the book now and find out what's, how, do they get together and everything. Uh, in the book, they don't get it together until like 12 years later, which is ridiculous. So I don't want the show to do that. But those two characters are like in a much more mature place than they are now. But also they are two very fundamentally different characters from who they were in the books. And uh, I guess we could just like segue this into talking about how different this entire season has been from the books. Julia knows that I've only read book two and book four and have like a vague idea of like book one to eight because I've watched like uh, Julia Chudney is a YouTuber who read all eight and made like a YouTube video about it. I recommend that you check her out. It's quite funny. And like her explanation of why why she likes and why she dislikes some of them is pretty great. So I'm just going to plug her for that one. But so I read book two and book three and oh boy, it's so different. Like the essence of the books are still the same. However, book two is like fundamentally different. We went, we ran through book two material by episode three. So the rest of the season is simply a Netflix original? Basically. So um, book differences. Let us start by how Kate and Anthony get together. So I'll tell you in the book what happens. What happens is a bee stings Kate at her breast. And that's what happened in the show as well. So Anthony, in full trauma of the fact that his father also got stung by a bee, decides that he needs to suck the venom out of her boob. So he sucked. He- <laughs> Sorry. What? And then, no. This is not Twilight. What? So he sucks, tries to suck the venom out of her boob. And uh, his mom, uh, Lady uh, Featherington, and her mom, 
so uh, Mary Sharp, Mary Sheffield in the books all witnessed this and like you have to marry her now because you have dishonored her in a public forum. So you are obligated to marry Kate Sheffield now. Whereas, you know, as for the show, she gets stung by a bee on her breast and then she calms him down. It's fine. They don't get married for that. So that was the biggest departure. Like that when the moment that the bee sting happened, I was just like, we're at episode three. What the fuck is happening? This is way too soon. And I was just like, oh, this is different. I like this. So I'm, I'm a little confused. Does the plot line with the sister still happen? Like where they're at the altar and everything or? No. So the thing, this is what, uh, why book fans are upset. Well, book stands, I guess, because like I'm a fan of the books as well, but like I'm not upset by any of these changes. It's a completely different medium. You have to tell the story differently. And I completely get that. So for the book, uh, Edwina doesn't like Anthony. So Edwina full on like, knows she has nothing in common with Anthony and the moment where Anthony has to marry Kate she was just more than happy she was like the biggest cheerleader for Anthony and Kate whereas here she's like upset because she was the one who was supposed to marry Anthony and whatnot whereas in the books it was more on the basis that like well I didn't actually like him in fact it was way more obvious to everyone that uh, Kate and Anthony are better suited and like it's clear to each other that the two of them are smitten by each other and I'm just like well yeah but also book Edwina has is a piece of cardboard with no characterization so this was great for me like she has agency and like her own motivations of wanting to marry for love and like she's has like a character where like you know she's nice to the king who has dementia and like that was brilliant to me. And we not so totally could have been like, you know, just like a very cardstock character. But this was a wonderful addition. Is there still the side plot of she needs to get married to nope. get the Sheffield money? Nope. No. Th- that side plot, it worked for the show, I feel. We, we see that, you know, how it also services at some, as something that shows how similar Kate and Anthony are in being eldest siblings and looking out for their families and like carrying the grief of losing a father. And But uh, in the books, it was more out of like, because Edwina is the diamond of the season and like, she's gonna have to marry Rich because our family's not doing that well. And Kate's already a spinster at the old age of 26. I think she was 22 in the books. And also apparently in the book, there's always that like, oh, I'm not pretty enough. And it's just like, everyone's attention's always on Edwina. And then it's just like, I don't understand what, and then Anthony, he's like I don't understand why the world doesn't see you as beautiful because you're so beautiful and like okay well clearly she is a beautiful woman then and just like but um yeah here she completely owns up the fact that she's beautiful because oh my god Simone Ashley is gorgeous I'm sorry if they had Simone Ashley deliver a line being like I'm not pretty that that would take me out of the whole thing (laughs) (laughs) yeah so those were like some pretty big changes from the book uh, for Kate and Anthony, obviously. Changes that I also enjoy is the reveal of Whistledown. So apparently in the books, we never find out uh, that Penelope is Whistledown until book four. And they mention- they don't even have like a reveal. It was sort of like, oh, by the way, Penelope is Whistledown. We don't really get a moment for Eloise to sort of react to how Penelope is Whistledown. So... That it's so cathartic to see how this played out. 
I enjoy it. It's it's eight. Is no, it's not eight books. Is it eight books? Eight books, yeah. It's eight books, and they didn't have that confrontation at all. No. Um. Apparently, like timeline wise, I think. Um, Eloise is off on her own adventure when it is revealed to the entire town that Penelope is whistled down. So, yeah, what a convenient way to get out of that. I know. I love how this season we sort of built on right off the bat. We know who whistle down is, which is Penelope. The one of the biggest downfalls of Gossip Girl is that we never revealed who Gossip Girl was until season six. Whereas here we right off the bat, okay, the mystery of Whistle Down, we know who they are. How does she keep up with being Whistle Down? She barely does it. She's barely scraping by, and it's really fun to watch. And also, I liked that she's hit rock bottom at this point because like her crush literally. Didn't he didn't tell her to her face that he didn't like her? But um, it's as bad as that, and like she just lost her best friend, and like I'm sure they'll get back together. But I I think this was needed, and I really like this change. Definitely, there's still a lot of room left to grow for like Penelope and Eloise and Colin. That is why I do not want Colin and Penelope for season three. I still want like them to go by like okay, we'll have like a buffer season for them to still grow. Then season four, we get them together. No. Okay. I don't want that. They've been teasing that since the first season. And it's just kind of like Colin has been blind the whole time, not only to Penelope, but just to kind of the world in general. Like the fact that he still need, feels the need to see Marina, the fact that he feels the need to take all this money without Anthony knowing, like, boy, grow up. Well, I liked that Marina scene, though. She sort of shows him that, like, okay, you're not really missing out of anything in life. And I think you're missing by not marrying me if anything you're missing out more in life because you're still like so hung up on me so just you know move on and then I like the subversiveness because I didn't expect him to like be smart enough and realize that he was getting scammed and try to like tell the Federations that like hey your minds don't exist so give everyone their money back and like the way that he was like gonna tell Penelope about that just that entire sequence where he was just like okay I'm gonna dance with like this girl who like made fun of you in season one and then he takes the necklace takes her hand and it's like a shot of their hands and i'm just like oh my god it's so cute it's so cute oh my god they're going into a room oh my god oh it was so cute and then literally that entire sequence it's the last half an hour that i'm just getting like emotional whiplash because penelope is one of my favorite characters so she's reaching the high of like dancing with her crush in the dance floor and then the rock bottom of like her friend finding out that she betrayed her best friend because obviously yeah so that's not a that's an addition for the books honestly if i had to reimagine this it would be high school oh yeah because this whole thing sounds like high school of like oh my god like i have a crush on him and he just touched my hand and oh my god and then only to find out that he you know listed you as kill and f mary kill instead <laughs> Okay, I uh, I have qualms about this. This is a scene that happens in the book, right? Colin says that I can't really imagine marrying Penelope, like something along that lines. And then, uh, but he says it in a completely different context. So um, how he declares this, I can't ever imagine uh, being with uh, Penelope. He says this because his brothers and his mom is just like, so, oh, we saw you dancing with Penelope. What's up with that? And then he's just like, says it as a moment of frustration. And uh, Penel- he knows that Penelope hears this in the book. In the book, uh, he sees that Penelope's at the back and he like tries to apologize. And Penelope's like, no, no, it's fine. I, I don't see anything about anything wrong about it. Obviously, she's crushed. But uh, in the 
show she he's just like talking to a bunch of lads and he's just like no 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 <laughs> I don't want to joke which is like I it's definitely a way different context now but I don't hate this change though because he's we're, we're setting him up to be an idiot so he's still an idiot so once he sees it it's like she's just going to use it against him anyway so I, I, I I'm not fussed so what you're saying is Colin had succumbed to Regency locker room talk and that was why we're here. Yeah. Well, I guess he also wants to bring people to Will's pub, so maybe that's why he just wants to like humor them. But I don't know. I oh, just nah. no. Hell no. That's not how you get somebody to go somewhere and hang out with them. Yeah. I don't know. I the moment that that line was said, I was like, we are. I I just like was like, no, no, we're way too early for this because I think this happens in like book three, early book end of book three early book four because like that's like one of the prologues we get in book four and I was just like whoa we're really early into this but um well if they had already finished book two by episode three and we have five (laughs) more episodes to go through but we okay definitely getting Penelope and Colin's story next but we okay we we also need like the Bennett because we're going by alphabetical order right, right now right so we did D first and now we're doing A I think we should go to but do they B. don't need to stay in alphabetical order <laughs> we didn't i know but i i don't know i just i think it'd be too soon if we go too fast i want my slow burn to burn more they can I- give you that in a netflix sense this season was slow burn as shit okay compared to last season we slow burn so much more so i think we can slow burn colin and penelope a little later but let's get back to our main couple kate and anthony so um do you have any highlights of like this love story okay every single time that they were in like a room together and he started whispering in her ear it's like there's like this whole tiktok trend of like when you when you're watching something and you're like wait i have a thing for voices and that's exactly what happened (laughs) and i didn't find this man attractive with his chin straps mutton chops last season Mm -hmm. but then he would say things like you know I could teach you things you haven't learned yet. I'm like, okay, <laughs> you what now? <laughs> so you know, it, it's not just like the the female gaze of the hand holding. It's also like, like the things that a guy could say, the the kind of like deepness of their voice that can get to a woman. And I feel like people forget that. I mean, John, like both of them, the chemistry is just off the charts. Um, Jonathan Bailey is doing a great job. Simone Ashley is doing a great job. I mean, the two of them in, are in a room together. No one, like, they can't keep their eyes off of each other. I think one of the funniest lines is, like, episode seven, after the wedding, they're discussing, okay, what do we do now? And then Awina sees the two of them. Has it been this obvious this whole time? <laughs> no, the, the funny thing is, is Daphne, like, tells Anthony, like, oh, when you fall in love with somebody that like you just can't stop looking at them. And then every ball afterwards, they would look at each other and I'm like, you're not low. I don't understand where you think this is okay, where you could just stare at her sister when you're about to get married to Edwina. And it, no, just stop. Like the progression of it's great as well. It's sort of like, we start off as like enemies to lovers, right? So she overhears him talking about how, oh, I just want a wife that I won't love. It's my duty. And then she's just like, oh, fuck you. And then <laughs> it, it goes from you can't marry my sister because you suck to you can't marry my sister because I care about you too much. 
the two main things I love about the departure from the book is that one, the stakes are much, much higher of like, okay, Edwina having to marry Anthony. It It's like definitely because of money. It's because my sister is in love with him. The stakes are higher to like keep these two apart. Second decision of like, you know, how we end up uh, in the series is that Anthony and Kate make the active decision to choose each other. Genuinely, because like they at the end, like, made the decision like okay you are the one that I want and then who 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 honey the one I want I'm also kind of glad that they didn't do that because it's essentially the same storyline as season one yes when I read book two I was just like this is exactly like season one where like you marry you're not sure that you love each other and then you find out that you love each other we've done this before so obviously that's not the thing to do now so whoever whoever's been writing for the series Thank. Well, um, I have bones to pick on the Fetting Train storyline because I don't like it. <laughs> it's taking up too much screen time. <laughs> but other than that, love it. Honestly, I always felt like the Fetting Train took up too much screen time. On, I mean, Even except for one. Penelope, of course. No, yeah. Like, Penelope doesn't really count. But, like, the mom, the sisters, the, the all of them, they, they, they don't need to be there. And yeah. half the time, they don't really create a lot of consequences for the main story we're here for anyways. Yeah. So like, yeah. The only point? thing I liked about it is that it led up to showing that Colin's less of an idiot, still an idiot, but less of an idiot than we thought. And that's it. And then I, I didn't need to know that Portia was a cougar. I didn't need to know that their cousins trying to marry each other. I, 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 I did not want that. I think reparations would be um, if you have more Kate Sharma and Anthony next season and less Featheringtons. Yeah, I mean, but if it's going to be about Penelope and Colin, which is where it looks like I it's going to go. I don't want it, though. It's probably going to get more Featheringtons. The thing is, they're always trying to scam Colin, so it's kind of like, how could he be convinced to be ready to marry Penelope if we go down that road? I, I don't think Colin is there yet. I think... Colin needs to grow a lot more first before he could like realize that the person who he could fall in love with has been in front of him all along and like you know uh Penelope needs to you know see Colin as a person and like have um him knock down a puke bag before that they could be together I think I think with the way that they developed Daphne in season one they could easily do the same for Colin I think the pacing is is fine okay. to me anyway. But also it's because you read the books. That is true. And I also think and that's why you like season two more because you read that book. Yeah, probably. Like, because I have like, in my mind, I thought things were going to go a certain way. And this was a very fresh, refreshing twist of what, of the things that I thought it was going to go. And it didn't go the way that I thought. And it went on a better direction. And also... It was with people of color and it was it's nice to see representation, obviously. I just I spent so much time paying attention to the colors that everybody was wearing. Yeah. Like you know the Bridgertons are blue and I guess the Charmers are like pink purplish. Is yeah. So um, yeah, a lot of purples for Kate. I loved her orange dress at, mm-hmm. at the final one though. That was brilliant. Uh Anthony, I don't do poetry, Bridgerton, telling her that <laughs> all the things, it's just like, what, you're the bait of my existence, and then it's like the object of all of my desires, whatever, something like that. And then it's just like, 
Uh, nee. <laughs> you don't do poetry? If that's not oh poetry, what, what, what? <laughs> what? That is poetry because it's a script. I do not know any modern man in this day who would say something like that. So what, what, what are the ones that I love, right? It's just like, um, she says she wants to go back to India and then he's like, that is not far enough. And like, he says something on the long side. Oh like, my God. That was like, oh my God. I couldn't breathe. Okay. But the whole part, the whole part, like that whole, okay. The whole scene in episode seven was spicy, but the spicy part wasn't even like the actual physical action. It was the, it was the go inside. This is like, you don't it's tell the, me what you to need do. to stop. Yeah, I'm like, no. <laughs> but also yesterday I was stuck with how deep is your love? Like all day. My top choices were how deep is your love and material girl? Because it made sense that like Edwina was like being put on display. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, me, Ali. In the material, okay. Let me. I'm. I'm not. No, gonna no, say no. That. For, I'm not for me, for <laughs> me, it was Robin dancing on my own. It's like I'm in the corner watching you kiss her, and then they're just dancing, and then like the sisters watching her, and they're just like, oh. And then he's just like, no, I'm going back to India, and then he's just like, what? No, no, don't go back to India. <laughs> and then they almost kiss, and then the sister walks in on them, and I'm just like, oh wow, this is exact copy of season one, except she doesn't demand that she marries her, you know. Because women. Oh wait, but it's also also you ought to know. Was yes. my was the top. That, top that's three. also one of the top. I also love Wrecking Ball. I love all things Miley Cyrus anyway. So like, but Wrecking Ball as the final bang is just like yeah. Yes. But okay, what I also like about it is that like, a lot of things like, what was that movie we were watching with Charlize Theron? It kind of sounded like it was from 2012. Oh, they were constantly oh, throwing some like random pop song i'm yeah. so happy that this show doesn't do that and like actually throwing in the real pop song there like they figure out how to weave, weave it, it in into yeah yeah so you kind of get the same feeling with like songs that you know now and you know the meaning to but they sound like regency england yeah so. it was a great time and i just had so much fun like falling in love with this world and falling in love with it more um but yeah season three i think i don't want Eloise and Penelope to be immediately best friends again. Like I think that needs to sit with them. They need to. Oh no, that can drag out. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I just love that entire um, fight that they had. Like, props to Nicola and uh, who is the actress that plays Eloise? I think her name's Claudia. And then yeah, props to the both of them. They that was like an amazing scene. It sort of like culminated. Like I remember loving that scene, that first scene in uh, the episode when we started where they're just sitting at the grass and Eloise is saying like you know I'm never gonna be like my older sister who was like the actual diamond and like uh whereas Penelope is also like lamenting about like how well no one sees me anyway why do I even try and then they're just like mm-hmm. holding hands and it's like that was so sweet and then we end the season with their friendship in shambles because like you know uh Eloise has told Penelope things that she doesn't trust with many people and uh, Penelope publishes that but Penelope sees it as a means to sort of like to protect her best friend so we're sort mm-hmm. of at like a where do we go from here and it's I I don't know what to expect but so far what this show has given me in the things that I don't know what to expect I've liked so I have faith in that yeah I I wouldn't know what decision I would have made um, if I was right? in Penelope's situation because it, it, to me, it made sense, but it, it, it's also terrible that she had to hurt Eloise like that. I know. Um, 
Like, yeah. What I also liked about um, some of their scenes is like, there's this one, I don't know if it's the one you mentioned, but when they, when they were sitting down in the flowers, it's yellow and white flowers. And that's exactly what Eloise and Penelope yeah. are wearing when they're saying like, I'm a wallflower. I'm, you know, I feel alone by myself, but I'm with you. Just friendship. Just the beautifulness of the whole setup. It was just perfect. Season three should that. not be Colin and Penelope, but it should be more of Eloise and Penelope coming together and be friends again. TV is a better medium for this. I'm not gonna lie. Like, um, I get to see dragged out stuff. I get to see like the actual fun colors and everything. And like, I love everything that I've seen on TV more than I've read the book. Even though I've read the book, the book was fun. Um, but yeah, uh, maybe I'll check out book three just to see like if I should get hyped with Benedict reeling from college admission scandal. Okay, Netflix has this 1.5 speed option, right? So every time we're at a scene with Jack and Portia and or a scene with Benedict in art school. <laughs> now you're fast forwarding through every single scene of his. I mean, that's fair. He's kind of like the hippie of the Bridgertons. And that's why I care about him the least. <laughs> he straight up has a scene where he's like abusing drugs and he's like, I don't even know if I'm going to get into art school. And it's like, Colin's like, hold up, hold up. Here's some... Um, hallucinogens yeah this, oh, is, but this is why violet needs to keep her children on a leash if what I not s- they will do drugs what i will say though i think as a fa- like a family dynamic i think i like season one better i sort of buy like the brother sisterly relationships in season one more or it's not that i buy it more i liked it more because here they interact less like i wish there was like more scenes of like benedict and eloise talking about what they want in their future in season one they didn't really have that this season we had like one moment of them in the swings again and i'm just like i wish we had more of this but i did really 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 love that scene where um the youngest brother comes up to Anthony and asks, like, how's how is dad like? And like that was great. I, I wish we could get more of that rather than Benedict failing art school. Yeah, I feel like we also needed that because in season one, the little ones don't really get attention. They're just kind of like the jokesters of the family because they're yeah. so little, but like Gregory is coming into his own, and who else is he gonna ask but his older brother? So I don't know. I, I think the banter is more fun here. I mean, granted, this is the way that how Anthony has been this past time where he just, like sees himself as like an authority figure to those siblings and he doesn't really see him as like someone who could like poke fun with his siblings anymore because of how many responsibilities he's had. And his siblings also like, I mean, they don't fault him for it, but they're also not making it any easier. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I mean, but it also makes more sense here when they explain why he is the way he is. Because last season when he was just telling Daphne, like, yeah, you're going to marry Lord Burbrook. Yeah. And that's the final answer. Yeah. It, it, to me, that didn't make any sense. To me, that felt like he was just flexing his muscles as Lord Bridgerton. Yeah. But now you understand, like, why he tries to do that. So yeah. and I, I care about him a little yeah. more. And I love that he sort of is able to relate to Kate in that regard because she also has to be like the head of house for her situation. And it's harder for Mm -hmm. her because she's a woman at that time period. So, and that's how they fall in love. And I'm just like, well, you know, she's, she's a woman. She's her head of household. She's quote unquote spinster. I didn't know female independence was such a problem. That's our little gush for Bridgerton. What are our takeaways? We like changes from book to TV if you are able to... Because, you know, book and TV are different mediums. 
So I don't see like genuinely. I think I would laugh hysterically if like there was an actual scene where he tries to suck the venom out of her boob. But um, I wouldn't want that on screen. So like, if you're too like, yeah, yeah, there. The if you want to see that, it's in the books. So book and TV is different. I like what they're doing with the TV. They clearly know what they're doing as well, and uh, I had fun. <laughs> yeah, you're also not gonna get modern songs in the book. In yeah, orchestral versions in the book. It was great. Uh, yeah, Shonda Land is doing some great things with this. Mm-hmm. I'm also happy it's not like another Grey's Anatomy type series. No character is like not needed. I just Edwina was like done brilliantly. Like so, I've seen online it was just like, why are we doing the Hamilton plot? And I was just like, oh yeah, it is kind of a Hamilton plot where like you know Angelica has been in love with Hamilton when he marries mm. Eliza, and then uh, I'm just like, oh yeah, we're kind of getting Hamilton, but it's different. I like this change because you know while I we do lose the aspect of Edwina being like the biggest champion of Kate and Anthony, uh, but it does make the stakes of Kate and Anthony getting together much higher and that much more satisfying when they do get together. Yeah, and it also makes sense the point where Edwina is all about Kate and Anthony finally at the end, where she gets the queen on her side to support that as well. Because, like, the queen also feels jilted from, like, making her decisions. But Yeah. Like, and, you know, she could potentially marry the prince that Daphne jilted. So, hey, win for Edwina. I, oh, my God. I love how when the queen says that, that, like, the cowboys just kind of look at each other like, come on. <laughs> We we tried this. Yeah, like I love the idea that like um it was suggested to the queen that like oh picking a diamond is dumb and like why do we pick a diamond? We should care about the qualities of it. And then she's like decided that okay, Edwina was the right pick, and because uh, Edwina has proven that she is the right pick, and that was really nice. Also, uh, this is just a me thing. It's like I am hundred percent like. Penelope in that if someone critiques my work and says like well uh I got I like what your what Lady Whistledown is saying here but why is she like not commenting about how ridiculous it is to have a diamond and then what Eloise says that to Penelope and then Penelope just immediately changes course of her writing is like oh my god that's 100% me that's exactly what I do <laughs> I feel like that should have been the sign to Eloise though no for real people who had that comment like that you're you dumb no, I think the dumbest thing is that Marina still doesn't know that Penelope is Lady Whistledown because, like, you know, not many people know that Marina was pregnant. So Marina should have clocked on that it's one of the people who knew that she was pregnant that exposed. Oh, that for sure. <laughs> for sure. But I'm surprised Marina didn't out her. I guess it was just because Penelope was nice to her in the beginning. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And I don't, we don't, we're not 100% sure that Marina knew that it was Penelope. But I think these mistakes that Penelope, you know, is making, obviously it's like cr- crashing down on her already, but I want to see her too. And I want to see like how the writers are going to like navigate for that. That's going to be fun. So yeah, thank you so much for listening to our uh, expressions of love for this entire series. Um, what are you watching? What have you been watching aside from this? <laughs> Oh, I've been slacking. I've been more reading than watching. What are you reading? Um, I'm I'm reading the Harry Potter series. Ho ho! Where are you at? 
I am still midway through Goblet of Fire. Um, for those who of you who don't know, I recently went through a Harry Potter movie binge, and now I'm finally reading the books for the first time. Woo! Luckily, I didn't pay for them because while the story is great, I don't like the idea of giving J.K. Rowling any more money than she already has. So, uh, yeah, I'm reading these books for free. Yay! Libraries are great, everybody. Yes, go support them. Um, yeah. What are you watching? It's now one of my favorite movies of all time. It's called Turning Red from <gasps> Pixar. Uh, Never met nobody, nobody like you. you. <laughs> <laughs> it's about a Chinese Canadian girl who's trying to grow up without you know with all the pains of puberty and under a very protective mom and I highly relate to that and I wish I had that movie when I was 13 to because she's yeah it's just a fun time I finished the first season of sex education that was fun because yeah we were I was like oh I guess I could like kind of prep for Bridgerton and then watch uh what Simone Ashley is in uh, she was in Sex Education. She was really funny in that. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, but Simone's character in Sex Education is completely different from. Kim. Oh, so yeah. like her acting caliber is like oh, she has range. Oh, also I went to watch a play with Jonathan Bailey. So like, hey, that was great too. Like in person? Yeah, he was like right there. Uh, it's called Cock. Uh, it's about a man, a gay man who falls in love with a woman and uh, how that sort of ensues. And uh, he's brilliant. Uh, I definitely want to check out every single one of Jonathan Bailey's filmography now because like he's like got range. Like he was great in the in Bridgerton, obviously, like that scene where he finds out that Kate is alive. That was like one of the best performances I've seen as mm-hmm. well. And then, um, yeah, in the play, like acting in plays and acting in like uh, on screen is really different like he was really good in the play so yeah I first met him in Broadchurch and I hated him in Broadchurch because <laughs> of what his character did not because of him yeah but um I'm kind of glad that he was able to redeem himself in my eyes <laughs> yeah. in Bridgerton I'm also told that he's really good in crushing so like Phoebe Waller-Bridge so maybe oh I saw that I completely forgot he was in it <laughs> <laughs> yeah Thank you so much for listening again. Um, we'll be back for season three remote watch uh, sometime soon. Well, well, you will know. Um, you can find us at remote watch on Twitter. You can find us at remote underscore watch on Instagram. You can also follow our, our personal socials from there. Um, so yeah, thank you for listening. Yeah, and thanks for being here for our one year anniversary. All ah, right, one remote year. watch out. Goodbye.